Good evening, listeners. It is the 20th of November, 2016, and you're tuned into 88.7 KBVR Corvallis. It is currently just after 7 p.m., and on a Sunday, that can only mean one thing. It's time for another episode of Inspiration Dissemination. I'm Adrian Gallo. And I'm Steve Friedman. At Oregon State, we have more than 4,000 graduate students in roughly 80 different programs of study, and here on Inspiration Dissemination, we feature the research and personal stories of one of these students each week. If you're a graduate student at OSU and you're interested in coming on the show, or you just want to find out more about all the awesome things going on here at Oregon State, come check out our blog at blogs.oregonstate.edu inspiration, where you can find out all about our up-and-coming guests and links to our Twitter and Facebook pages. Inspiration dissemination is recorded live, and should they occur, any opinions expressed on the show are those of the host and their guests and do not necessarily represent Oregon State University or this station. Tonight, we are joined by Vance Almquist from the College of Agricultural Science. Say hello, Vance. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Oh, of course. It is our pleasure. Uh, so how about first you let us know uh, you, what, uh, what program you're in, uh, who your major advisor is, and uh, how far along in your program you are. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm uh, going on in my fourth year of my PhD, and I'm working on something called pedology, like soil genesis. Okay. Also, that's not, like, that's not like studying the feet, right? No. <laughs> not podology. Not podology. Okay. And, we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my major advisor is uh, Dr. Jay Noller, the department head of crop and soil science. Oh, the department head. Okay, yeah. so you have uh, some big feet to step into. Yeah, yeah. But it's not about feet. It's about soil. So let's talk it about It is soil. about feet. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. Uh, so you said so, uh, pedology is what you do, uh, soil right. genesis. What do you, first of all, maybe we should step, take a step back and find out. Like, yeah, what, what soil genesis, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great word. I love the word soil genesis. Um, yeah, so basically it's, uh, one, it's how do soils form, you know, and in some way, like, yeah, basically we're just trying to figure out how soils form and in the process of their formation, trying to figure out what, types of signals we can see in the soil okay so, yeah we, we're basically trying to describe and look at soil to figure out what it means all right so as someone who knows nothing about soil other than i walk on it and sometimes have to wash it off my clothes uh, probably more often than <laughs> is necessary i have to wash it off my clothes how, how does it form in a very basic you know introductory way where is the soil coming from well um I guess, you know, it might be interesting to introduce the, we have this thing, and I, I call it, like, the god of soil. And it is, we, it's called CLORPT. Although some people call it all sorts of names, and it just stands for Climate, Organisms, Relief, Parent Material, and Time. So the okay. organism, or yeah. the, sorry, the acronym, <laughs> the acronym is CLORPT. That's, okay, that's an easy, easy one to remember. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, you know, it was kind of proposed in the, 19, well, it was originally proposed in the 1800, late 1800s, and then kind of codified in that way in the middle 19th century, middle 20th century. Okay. So um, if you were to know individual pieces of climate and kind of the topography, what organisms are there, like plants and little microbes, uh, and then what rocks is underlain in that and given enough time, given all those factors, is that kind of what makes up soil? Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, it, yeah, I would say yes. Uh, to a sort of in a sort of way, it's like an unsolvable equation, but it gives us like this really good like, you know, um, guesstimate of what the soil might be right there. Um, okay, so that's yeah. I mean, it would be it would be the soil in a sort of way, but <laughs> I 
Yeah. But it takes time. It the main time, time is at the end of that, right? So you can't just take these things, mix them in a, in a jar, and have soil. No. And, yeah, I mean, and even then, what it means, like, a lot of times these things are changing through time. Mm-hmm. Um, a, like, for instance, climate is changing through time. And so none of them are actually consistently of one value. Oh, so the your kind of experimental design of controlling for some variable doesn't really exist in soil science, does it? No. Functionally impossible. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, I'm totally hurt as a lab scientist. Yeah. This doesn't sound like science at all. <laughs> well, we, you know, we can, do cre- we can do creative things. When, yeah, when we're really thinking well, we can try to control for these by, for instance, you know, because uh, temperature and precip are kind of related. Wait, precip? Yeah, precipitation, sorry. Oh, okay, like, big rain events. Yeah, right. rain or snow, whatever it might be. Oh, or it's snow. Sleet. Yeah. It could be fog. Um, precipitation of all forms. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, those things are pretty correlated with elevation. So a lot of times if we can hold most of the other things functionally constant, so like, for instance, rock type, we can try to go up in elevation and try to deduce the overall effect of climate on all the other things. So it's kind of the ceteris paribus approach of all things being equal. Okay. So, all right, so one part of this is chlorped. Yes. God chlorped coming in and, and bringing all the things together to make soil, right? And the other side of this, um, you said, was what's actually in there. Is that a good way to put it? Mm, the information. Okay. So what we can learn about what's in the soil. Yes. Okay. So what can we learn from what's in the soil? <laughs> well, um, you know, that's a good question. I don't know that we fully know yet. Okay. Um but I can tell you a few of them. One, I think it's important to remember that, you know, our ability to read soils is a pretty new concept. I mean... And what do you mean by reading soil? Yeah, so, you know, the soil has these, we call them horizons, and basically they are recognizable in the profile. They can be differentiable because of a number of things. It could be color or it can be the way in which the soil kind of clumps together. We call that structure. Mm-hmm. And it can be... Um, chemistry, for instance, we can differentiate horizons based on chemistry. And the concept of horizons, other than topsoil and subsoil, is like less than maybe 125 years old. Okay. And so basically we've had toaster ovens probably for longer than we've known functionally about <laughs> soil horizons. Okay. Okay. So that, so there's that. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of what we can learn from them, I mean, we can definitely learn, um, in some ways, past climate histories. We can learn about the dynamics of surface processes, for instance. We can learn about uh, what types of organisms were living in a particular place 20,000 years ago, if we have a buried soil, or 100 million years ago. Or if you're Greg Retallick, you know, you can potentially find acid sulfate soils that are 3.7 billion years old. Okay, hold on. that you're name dropping, and I, I don't know who this person. So, what, could, what, what is? What do you mean? Well, yeah, I mean it's it's very controversial, but you know there <laughs> there is a paleopedologist, so he studies even older soils than well, pretty much anybody, and he studies very old soils, and he namely works in soils that are tens of millions or hundreds of millions of years old, and attempt. Well, I don't know. He just published a paper actually that claiming to have found. Um, microbes 
that are 3.7 billion, billion years old in an old soil in Australia. Hmm. Just like dormant, hanging out in the soil, waiting to oh, be no. found? Totally fossilized. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Cool. Um, so it, it sounds like to me that the big thing here right now is we're just kind of learning what we can get out of the soil, what information we can discern from it. And so what is what is your research then like explicitly go into like how do we learn more about it no so my um and one i think we've we've known that soil has information for a long time you know we're gleaning more and more all the time we've but you know i yeah so i just wanted to say though that the concept of horizons is young okay um, so my research is well i do a couple of things i work on um similar to my so somebody who who else has been on this show chris osterlow he, he works on mapping soils using algorithms, machine learning techniques, basically to try to get at or take advantage of this chlorped framework. Mm -hmm. And so I do that working out in eastern Oregon in the Wallawas, uh, the Hell's, or Hell's Canyon, Wallawas, and the Eagle Cap Wilderness area. Cool. Yeah, and so that's an attempt to map soils quickly. Okay. Um, and efficiently, sort of. So that's one aspect of my research is basically how do we do that better? Um, and then the other aspect of my research is how is soil produced, if you will. Basically, how do rocks and life interact to turn rocks into soil, basically. Okay. Yeah. So kind of uh, getting us a better picture of what chlorped looks like. Yeah, you could think of it that way. <laughs> I'm, of course, anthropomorphizing yeah, yeah. this uh, <laughs> non-followed uh, god. I like, yeah, I, I like to think, and sometimes, you know, I get this from my advisor. He plants things in my head, and I don't realize it. But he, you know, if you picture rocks kind of being convected to the surface of the earth, um, and they're kind of, you know, boiling and kind of dynamic, well, the soils that are kind of chewing their way through that boiling mass of rock, how do those soils, you know, also move around and boil themselves. Okay. And so that, that boiling, I know it's kind of a weird, abstract <laughs> way of describing it, but basically the motion of soil, that's what I'm after. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Now, before we get too deep into your research, because I do want to touch on those two points, one being, uh, you know, how you, what, what are the benefits of, you know, mapping soils in a predictive fashion rather mm -hmm. than going out to every square inch of an area and digging a hole and finding out what's there. I want to touch on that a little bit later. Sure. And uh, also this kind of soil development, I want to put that on the back burner. What I do want to know is you probably didn't want to be a soil scientist starting at grade one. I don't, it's pretty difficult to even find the field of soil science, you know? So uh, what were kind of the steps that led you to finding this field and this interest? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. So, yeah, I definitely did not want to be a soil scientist as a kid. I don't even, I don't know what I wanted to be. Probably like, oh, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, um, neither of my parents have gone to college. They're both smart in very different ways, but they, neither of them gone to college. Um, my mom is in college right now, actually. Um, Good for her. Yeah. She's working in, soil, in social science, so I feel like another hard to pin down field. But uh, at any rate, yeah, you know, I... Yeah, you know, I was always curious as a kid, and I've always grown up with, you know, out in the woods, kind of, if you will, but it's mm. desert. We don't have we don't have woods in Utah. <laughs> okay, Joe in Utah. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Utah. Okay, and uh, so in, in the Intermountain West, and uh, you know, I guess I feel like I was raised by people who encouraged me to be curious, 
or at least to question dominant paradigms. Like that's just a that's how I grew up, you know, mm-hmm. I guess. And so, you know, between growing up outside and having a love of the outdoors and liking working with my hands and being outside, eventually, you know, I didn't really like school and I think this is what you might be wondering about. You know, I didn't really like school, especially once I like was in junior high. Oh Jesus, I hated it. <laughs> you know, high school was terrible. I don't know why it wasn't. So you weren't a straight A student your entire life. That's not how you got to a PhD. No, um, in, in high school I barely got grades, like <laughs> grades barely. You know, and I can only imagine someone raised to always question the dominant paradigm. That's not something that works in high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. And um, you know, eventually I stopped going, and then I decided, well, I'm just going to get my GED and I'm just going to work somewhere. Um, and I did at a greasy spoon for a long time, not for a really long time, but for, you know, maybe two or three years. Oh, interesting. Um, so, so you, you got your GED and said, I'm just going to work. I, I don't want to go to school. Yeah. There's not much there for me. It's not interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess actually I'm, I'm very much a self learner. Like I can just pick up a book, start reading it, pick up more books, figuring out how to learn things. And I was not learning anything I felt like in high school. I was just learning how to jump through hoops, you know? Mm. And I think a lot of people say that about college. That's how they feel about college. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I felt about high school. And so eventually I did decide to go back. I was kind of mm, tempted in by philosophers and geologists, you know, people, charismatic lecturers. They just mm-hmm. taunt you. And uh, so, yeah, eventually I was going to the community college. And, you know, these things were really interesting. They were classes I couldn't get in high school and ways of thinking. So eventually I did go back and. Okay. So yeah. back at, you know, finally you found enough interesting material that piqued your interest and you enroll in community college. Mm-hmm. And what, what did you start studying when you got to community college? Yes, I, I was initially intre- really interested in philosophy. Um, but, you know, I mean, by interested then, it's like, oh, you've taken two classes. It's like, I'm going to be a philosophy major. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, it takes is one intro class and yeah. you're automatically going down that road. Exactly. I still have those thoughts at least once a month. Oh, me too. <laughs> Recently, I'm like, oh, I want to be a condensed matter physicist. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, something simple I could just, you know, sidestep to. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, you know, it was philosophy, anthropology, but really, it was the biological science, the, the biological sciences. I really was interested in those, and I thought for a long time I was going to be botanist or something equivalent to that, um, maybe an ecologist. Mm-hmm. So, and th- yeah, I was working on some. Actually, now that I think about it, I was working on some. Um, we were doing these snake surveys. I somehow got involved doing this field biology class and doing these snake surveys. Is this still in community college? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Just, just in Salt Lake surveys. City. No, it was out in the wood, out in the wilderness area. Actually, there wilderness, too. Wilderness, yeah. uh, community college. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I thought I was going to be a biologist, but then eventually, soils. It combined everything I loved. So, you know, chemistry, physics, biology, geology. Okay, so how did how did that I guess transition from I love living things to I love the stuff that sustains all the living things go. Yeah, I think that part of that was, you know, my grand I think my grandparents, you know, they they really have informed a lot of what I've done. And in particular, they're the type of they're the type of people that, you know, if they see somebody doing something like, Oh, God, why are they doing that type of thing anymore? Doesn't anybody know better, you know, such and such. Hmm. And okay. Anyway, that, no, that may not make sense. Quite an image in my mind now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, just working in the garden and, you know, used to kind of growing things. Um 
I guess it the two somehow connected that I thought, well, it doesn't really seem like anybody knows about soil science. I somehow just looked it up, but it was immediately apparent to me that it's it was important. You know, from the really utilitarian perspective of growing things and sustaining everything, you know, mm-hmm. I barely knew what soils did at that time, but I could tell they were important. And, uh, yeah. Okay. So if you're just joining in, are you listening to 88.7 KBVR Corvallis? You are listening to Inspiration Dissemination, a radio show where we talk to graduate students about their research and their history of how they got here. And today we're talking to Vance Almquist. And, you know, you just hit a turning point between going from not very much liking school to really finding something you're curious about, this, you know, kind of uh, biologic side, and then finally finding that little flame that uh, has now developed into a Ph.D. program. But let's talk a little bit about um, what it was about initially soil that, that you found interesting. Was it the fact that it was omnipresent yet undervalued? Or was it something else that, that really turned you on to the subject? I mean, I think it was... Uh in some ways, it was just like a, a, you know, offhand like of it. It's, you know, again, like I said. It, it was just, just casual curiosity more than yeah, anything. Yeah, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, this seems important. And, you know, it seems to be as good as anything. I can study the things I wanted. At the time, I w- you know, there are a lot of people that are really passionate about soils. And I am now. At the time, <laughs> I was like, eh, it'll work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I guess there was that. So it was kind of a functional decision, really. Um, I've come to love them, definitely. For, like, a lot of reasons. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was that, and maybe it had, like, some communist leanings, I would say. <laughs> so soil and communism goes hand in hand? Yeah, for me. I if think you want does. to bring in soil scientists, I don't think advocating for communism would be a way to do it, Vance. I, yeah, I don't know that I'm at... Association? More than, more than advocating? Yeah, I associate the two, you know. I Yeah, that's how I would describe it. Okay, so as a, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, radio show about graduate student uh, journeys. We're going to avoid the communism <laughs> line of conversation for a bit and get back into so... We're so PG. <laughs> you, <laughs> PC. Um, so we're... Uh, you, you you found this love for soil sciences, and you, but you had just gotten a biology degree at, in community college. Is that correct? Yeah, it was like an associates of science. Okay. So so what was your next step to, to down this path to soil well next up i um so i wanted to the soils degree was at the agricultural college in utah which is the utah state university that's the land grant school and so um my partner and i moved up there up to logan utah and um both pursued our our bachelor's degrees so i found myself in the department of plant i think it's um environmental plant environmental plant and uh, environmental plant soil science that's the department and I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. It's kind of like I, you know, at the time, I, I think I was 24 or something, and I'm, you know, going onto this college campus, and it seemed kind of strange. But, uh, yeah, eventually I just decided I, I wasn't really getting the academic advice from my academic advisor. This kind of comes along with the questioning diamond paradigms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought they, did, they didn't know what they were talking about. So this is like your <laughs> academic advisor who uh, who they still have here at Oregon State where they would tell you, you know, take Math 252 in fall quarter and yeah. take that class. But you didn't feel like you were getting as much feedback that you wanted at the yeah, time. Yeah, they were telling me to take, like, these family finance planning classes. Like, because it would be the easy class to take care of, like, a depth social science class. It wasn't like take LGBT studies or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know. So be- because it was the easy class. And so eventually mm-hmm. I just 
when I looked up a professor in soil science, I'm like, oh, it's a pedologist. That uh, that seems like a good idea. So I looked her up, had a meeting, and uh, asked her what classes I would, I should take if I want to be a good soil scientist. She told me the classes to take, and then asked me if I wanted a job. And so then I started working in her lab for two or three years. I think it was three years. Very cool. So yeah. you just kind of went out and you're like, there is a soil scientist. That's a, a pedologist. That's what I want to do. I'm going to ask them for advice. I think so, yeah. Okay. No hesitation to go in there. Slight hesitation, okay. but I didn't know any better. So, you know, you don't <laughs> you didn't know, know that wasn't what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I know how busy professors are, and I'm so much more hesitant to bother them. <laughs> Ignorance can be bliss. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you're in, you, you got your foot in the door in a lab now. Doing studying soil mm-hmm. um, along the path of, of doing starting research. Um, at what point did you kind of hit this point and you're saying, I love this. This is, or maybe love like, you know, I really like doing this work. This is what I want to continue to do to go to grad school. Was there any moment there that really stood out? Hmm. You know, I'm not sure if, if anything particularly stands out, but, um, you know, I hadn't been burned out on it by the uh, by the time I'd studied it for years, and all I had left were questions, more and more questions. And so, at that point, and you know, I guess I I have I still have a lot of close friends, but at the time I was an undergraduate, and my good friends there they were graduate students. Mm-hmm. And is that because you were working in this lab filled with graduate students? So the people you were surrounded mm-hmm. with? No, not at all. Actually, <laughs> it was just the house I lived in. It's okay. called the Wood House. I should just give a plug right now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I just had a lot of great friends that were they were graduate students in various types of fields. And just the way they would think about the world was really appealing. And so I, I think it was just curious. I was more curious. And I realized that an undergraduate degree, it got me to a certain spot where I could begin to ask questions and, you know, eventually realize that a lot of the generalities that we start with in undergraduate or not where it ends at all and so i think it was just that okay just curious interesting so uh in in that case you decided this curiosity isn't going to stop the the little flame is now a fire and i want to continue on to a phd studying soils so why the heck did you decide oregon state of all places well two things one i didn't i originally was going to just do a master's um i was like oh yeah i want to do a phd but i didn't know if i was going to do one here at oregon state Hmm. My advisor eventually convinced me to do one. He just assumed I was doing one. <laughs> anyway, so there's that. So I just wanted to, you know, correct you on ah, that. But okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I I wanted to go. I thought originally I was thinking I would go to UC Davis, which is, that's um, that was the school that the the pedologist that I was studying with. That's where she went. Um, but the other option was Oregon, and the reason both of those were options was because the states of California and Oregon and potentially Washington, but arguably have the most diverse collection of soils in the country. Hmm. And so it basically gave me an opportunity to study the largest number of the things I was interested in studying. Oh, okay. Okay, this is coming back to the analogy of Clorpt, where if depending on the climate, both California and Oregon have a pretty wide range in climates between uh, relatively heavy precipitation areas, really dry, all kinds of rock types. Mm-hmm. So that kind of climate and geology uh, intersection allows you to have a huge variety of soils. And in that sense, it's exactly what you're looking for if you're studying how do soils form. Yeah, that's yeah. that was basically how I looked at it. And we have volcanoes, which are pretty awesome. They are indeed. 
<laughs> so this is like typical, right? Like just like if you're a marine brown, yeah, a marine <laughs> biologist, and you want to study the coral reef, you have to go where the coral reef is. Yeah, right. You're a soil scientist. You want to study the soil. This is where the best, the most diverse, the most options for studying soil are. That was how I looked at it at the time. Yeah. Okay. Would you still maintain that statement? Well, now I see there's like a lot more nuance. Like for instance, <laughs> you know. You know, even though other places may not have the diverse geology, they have kind of more stable areas. So the stability sometimes maybe allows for the soils to kind of evolve and diverge. And so you get a lot of diversity in some ways that's interesting, but actually I still, I take that back. I maintain that we might have the most diverse soilscape here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, what it sounds like is you're really trying to limit variability. Yeah. In, in soils. You know, but it just occurred to me. Okay, the redwood forest is not the most diverse, but it's still a very, very interesting place. So that's what the Midwest... The Midwest is like the redwood forest of oh. the soilscape. They're not a lot of diversity, but still interesting. Okay. That's yeah. a good way to put it. I yeah. guess that then gets us back, right? We've, we've... You know, you had this long kind of circuitous path where you, like, you weren't interested in school... Then you got back into school, and then you kind of found a passion, and you pursued it. And this rejection of, you know, the dominant paradigm kind of helped you to question things and be a good scientist. Um, but now we're back at Oregon State mm -hmm. um, in your story, and uh, talking a little bit about the different kinds of soils all over the place. And so the question for me is: the only thing I think about is not a soil scientist that matters with soil is can we grow our crops in it or not. Mm. Um, why else should we study soil? Hmm. I'm putting you on the spot in the name of all soil scientists here, so I apologize for that. But <laughs> Oh, you should not let me speak for all soil scientists. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think that the first thing we think about is like, oh, yeah, water or soils grow almost all of our crops. They support most of our buildings in one fashion or another. Um, they filter the majority of the drinking water we have. So they have these really important functions for us. But I like, you know, and I was thinking about if you brought some sort of a question like this up, what would I say? <laughs> I didn't come up with the best answer in terms of the most approachable thing. But I think soils are very interesting because, you know, for the last few hundred years of science, we've basically, we've done really well at figuring out the linear systems. I put in five pounds of nitrogen and I get, you know, for every five pounds of nitrogen I add, I get like, you know, an extra five pounds of corn, you know, one-to-one, -one, something like that. Mm -hmm. We've done really well at dealing with these really clean, linear relationships, but soil is none of those things. It's certainly not a clean system. It has, like, you know, as a chemist, it has almost no pure phases in it whatsoever other than maybe crystalline quartz or something. Um, and so in terms of dealing with heterogeneity or, you know, different mixtures of things, soils are that. And so I feel like... Um, actually, another thing, too, is, you know, soils are, because they're such a dynamic system, they're, you have to, it allows you to actually look at really large-scale dynamics or dynamics of things in general in an approachable way, like meaning it's something I can physically see. It's not just the transition through the critical state of, you know, CO2 or something like that. There are the same similarities in soils, for instance, Turbulence in some way occurs in soils, but you can actually dig it, dig into soil and look at it. Okay, so I guess to me that that relates to like, 
right? We see like air circulation and like there's, we had a guest on a few weeks ago who studies the currents in the ocean and mm -hmm. all those things are happening so quickly. You can just like try and take videos of them and watch them. But if you dig up the soil, you can actually study it in uh, a more quantitative way. Is that a fair way of restating that? Potentially. Okay. This is my current theory. Okay. My advisor would probably be like, man, should, don't say that kind of stuff. Hey, you know, <laughs> you're <laughs> thinking ahead. Yeah. What hey, else do we do with your soil? microphone? You get to say what you want. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and we're not saying this is facts or anything right now. This is the future. Yeah, but this is how I think of soils. This is one reason why I think soils are very, very interesting. They, and in fact, you know, there is a whole branch of developing science started in the early 2000s called the critical zone. And where it basically looks at this linkage between all of the things we call the spheres of the earth, the hydrosphere, the lithosphere, the biosphere, and then there's the pedosphere, which is the, the sphere of soil on the earth. And soils do go into the ocean, by the way. They, we call yeah. them subaqueous soils. And it's a brilliant thing to think about. Um, but, you know, I think actually this is a very apt name because, for instance, as things transition through the critical state, like if you, because you're a, you're, are you a biophysicist? Biochemist. Biochemist, yeah. Okay, think about right at the critical state transition. You basically have um, a, now a mixture which you have one half the density of the liquid and twice the density of the gas. But it's indistinguishable. And that's kind of the same thing of soil. It doesn't have the density of air, but it doesn't have the density of rock. And in terms of the dynamics, the energetic exchanges that are occurring, it's really quite similar. So I want to go back to this critical zone idea. Uh, there are some critical zone observatories around the United States, or mm -hmm. around the world. Um, and you had mentioned this before, that soils are an integrator of all of these systems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the carbon that was once in the atmosphere was cycled through vegetation and is now sometimes in soil. And if you get some erosion that carbon held as organic matter in soil can then be spit out into the ocean floor and then be sequestered in, you know, some kind of deep sediments type stuff. But more or less, whether it's water or carbon or nutrients, you know, trees need to get all this stuff from soil, and oceans can get a lot of nutrients from soil. So it, it, soils are this integrator of all these different ecosystems, and oftentimes I think they're overlooked because they're so complicated. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. They, they do get complex, and we don't really... Because they are these this you know complicated system of mixed mineral species, the traditional way we think of like K constants or of dissolution or something, well these can be fully wrong because a lot of times when we're doing a chemical dissolution study, we just put it in water. But we have you know biology that has invented all these incredible things called enzymes or you know they can excrete acids that actually bump everything up to much higher levels than you would expect in an abiotic world, and so. You know, we've got that. We've got these mixed mineral species. We've got um, the the temporal dynamics of you know rainfall and all these different things, and so they are they're complicated. Um, but that's but I, the critical zone observatories were actually set up explicitly to try to get some handles on that. And I think you're right, Adrian. It's yeah, soils are basically the great integrators. Well, I, I took those words from you, so I think you're right. <laughs> you're. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> you're always right. <laughs> so to bring it back for the, uh, the the people who don't think about soils all the time, um, really what I'm hearing, and I think this is 
uh, maybe to me the take home here is that the, the, we have a lot of interactions with the soil, both our drinking water, our food comes from there. Um, we walk around on it and we, you know, we're very much interacting with it. And there's all these processes going on where the atmosphere is mixing with the ground um, and sometimes the ocean and our, you know, lakes and streams are mixing with the ground. And there's a lot of chemistry and biology going on there that we're not thinking about. And better understanding that can help us better understand how we and everything we do interacts with the earth. Is that a fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just making sure I was following what you two are talking about there. <laughs> um, so we are actually, uh, even over time, we, uh, mm. we kind of lost track of it there. Um, you get too surprised. To get yeah. Into the soils, you know, what do you expect? <laughs> so we do want to, you know, we'll finish it up with asking the one question I think you kind of alluded to, but uh, maybe you can answer more explicitly. What's next? Well, um, we'll see. Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions uh, still. Actually. I have more questions than I entered with. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I think, you know, I'll probably try to find um, a different place, a different way of thinking, and see if that can um, help me understand more about this complex thing we call soil. Very cool. Nice. And, you know, on this show we have two traditions. Mm. Uh, the first that I'd like to ask is advice from you. Uh, this can be advice to your past self. Uh, advice for your current self or you know really whoever you feel you can give the best advice to hmm well um i guess i'd quickly say that um hang in there that's advice to my current self (laughs) um i think yeah uh the other thing is there's a lot we don't know and so that's advice to my future or my past self you know thinking that we already knew everything and what is another thing um yeah be kind i feel like the academic world can be really rough. It can bring out the best in people. It can bring out the worst in people. But ultimately, we got to stick together. Cool. Um, so our other tradition is that we like to let all of our guests pick a song to play themselves out to. Uh, we usually ask that it's a song that either has significant meaning to you or has a big role in your research or something like that or just, you know, something you love. Mm. Um, well, I think I'd like to request a Creedence song. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have one queued up or anything, or if you have things queued up. Yeah. Which one do you want? I got. I think I got their discography. Um, well, <laughs> I'd be great with Suzy Q or Run Through the Jungle. Okay. I think we can probably... Have we played those albums yet? Nope, we okay. haven't played So those we can probably yet. play both of those. Nice. I will CCR to uh, end our <laughs> Sunday evening. Uh, so with that, we'd like to thank Vance from co- for coming on the show. Uh, again, this is 88.7 KBVR Corvallis, Inspiration Dissemination, and we thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. Suzy Q. Thanks, Vance.